Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Well, what do we have here? It's a built-in teaching on grace. Even the snake that took the form, that the devil took the form of, when it comes to the poisonous rattlesnake, God put within the snake a warning. I can do some damage to you if you get close enough. But if you stay away, you'll be all right. That's the problem we got with this society is we've been playing with snakes too long. I'm going to step on some stuff today. Uh, This nation is snake bitten. This world is snake bitten. You say, well, how dare you say that? Let me just make it very clear. Any nation, regardless of how they were formed, is a snake-bitten nation. Because without Jesus Christ leading and guiding a nation, a business, a house, oh, y'all ain't hearing me, a family, then they are being led by some other force other than Jesus. And I got news for you. There's two gods, I say not two gods, there's one God, but there's two, two entities that people worship. They either worship the true God or they worship the snake. You say, well, I don't worship the devil. Well, do you worship Jesus? If you don't worship Jesus, you are a devil worshiper. Ain't that what he said? He said, I am the way. I am the truth. No man gets to the Father but by me. So if you're going through any other path, you're going down the wrong path. You're snake bitten. You're deceived. You got poison running through your body. Let me tell you one of the biggest poisons is in my sermon today. One of the biggest poisons that that snake injects into us, the church people when he bites us, is the poison of religion. Religion is man's way of taking something simple and making it difficult. Jesus said it's simple. You were born into sin. You are a sinner who needs a Savior. I came. I lived a sinless life. I knew no sin. I became sin on the cross for you. I had nails driven through my hands and feet. I cried out, it is finished. I died. Three days later, I came back, and I gave you the ability to go through my blood to get a blood transfusion. You must be born again. And if you do that, if you simply repent of your sins and mean it with your heart, then you shall be saved. But we try to make all kinds of hoops that we got to jump through to try to earn the grace of God. But Jesus made it simple. I am the antidote. I am the anti-venom. Are y'all hearing me? 
Now, I'm not going to go back and preach it. In fact, if, if the Lord permits me today, I will conclude this series. How many has enjoyed this series? Give God the praise right now. God the praise, not, not man. Give God the praise. One of the things I taught you through this series is that it all began in the garden. Okay? It began in the garden when the, when the snake convinced man to bite the apple or the fruit. And when they bit the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, by biting the fruit, even though it was not fangs of a snake, the snake injected its fangs into humanity. The bloodline, if I don't want to get too deep on you right now, let me tell you about the bloodline of Adam. Every one of your, everybody that's in this building, everybody that's watching this, whether live or replay, it applies to you. If you are a human being, it applies to you. Your blood is in you as a direct result of the blood of your mama and the DNA and the many things that have been passed down from generations before. Are you hearing me? Even through the DNA of your father, the seed that was implanted into the egg brought with it DNA, brought with it characteristics as crazy and amazing as that is, something as simple as, as, as the seed and as simple as an egg coming together, two little microscopic things has within them facial characteristics, eyes, nose, hair color. Are you hearing me? Even sometimes personalities, the way somebody's voice sounds is all within that. Are you hearing me? It's all there because it's in the blood. The Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Are you hearing me, church? Well, we all have blood because we all have a mama and a daddy. We may not know our mom and daddy. We may not have an idea who they are. We may not have a relationship with them. We may have been adopted and we don't know who they are. We may have been raised by our grandparents. But here's the reality. Whether you have a relationship, whether it was a, a good environment, a bad environment of what conceived you, I'm telling you right now, you got a mom and a daddy. And I don't want to break it down too much because I think we all can get it here. Even if you conceived... Uh, uh, somebody by injection or by some kind of in vitro, I promise you somewhere there was a daddy. That's all I'm going to say. Huh? But Adam didn't have a mama. So where did Adam's blood come from? Adam's blood came directly from heaven. It was created. It was the blood of Jesus. Because he's called the first Adam, Jesus is called the final Adam. Now, they're not the same because one is a created being and one is God. Are you hearing me? But you have to understand, go back and look at the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews chapter, I think it's chapter 1, I'm not sure. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know it's uh, in the first part of the book of Hebrews. Jesus says there's a conversation between God and Jesus, the Father and the Son. It's very clear it's a conversation between the Father and the Son. And the Son, this is, a, this is almost like you're dipping into a conversation that was said 
eons and eons before creation happens. The son says to the father, for thou hast, I'm quoting it because I'll memorize it from King James, for thou hast created me a body. So, so there's conversation happened in heaven where the Bible says that he was the lamb slain, watch this, from the foundation of the world. So when the world, the world was spoken into existence, the plan of redemption was a part of the world. So therefore, knowing that one day Jesus would be conceived by a virgin and not receive the blood of Mary that would be tainted by the snake bite, are you hearing me? There had to be a blood kept and preserved that was sinless and spotless. That same blood that was created at that point, because the Bible said the life of the flesh is in the blood, man was created from the dust of the earth, but he was not a living, breathing soul until God breathed into him and he became a living soul. Are you hearing me? What happened? If the life of the flesh is in the blood and it's just a clay statue and it's not living, not only did he breathe his spirit into him, he breathed blood into him. Are you hearing me? And then the flesh became alive. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, up until the snake bite, the blood that flowed to the body of Adam, oh, this is deep, is, the, is and was, I should say, the same blood that flowed through the body of the Messiah. The only difference is that one sinned and was snake bitten by choice, chose sin, therefore the blood tainted his blood. Oh, y'all ain't hear me. Now watch this. The other lived in a world, the Bible says, was tempted in all manner, like any man, yet without sin. So he was tempted by the same things that Adam and every man in this and every woman in this place was tempted by. I don't want to get too deep on you, and I don't want to mess up your image, but here's the reality. That means women hit on him. That means men hit on him. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Everything that was be put in front of anyone to be tempted to do, Jesus was tempted and he, did, he chose not to give in to it. He that knew no sin became sin. I'm not going to preach it all, but I got to remind you that in the garden in chapter 3 when the curse, well, I'm, I'm going to get to that in a minute, but he says in the curse, you're going to bruise his heel, he's going to crush your head. That's a snake bite. I told you that's how they get the antivenom. They got to go through the skin. Oh, you ain't hearing me. Drain the venom to make the antivenom. So the first Adam was bit by sinful choice. The second Adam was bit, oh, y'all ain't hearing me, by a holy choice. Not choosing to sin, but choosing to take the venom on himself 
so that he could begin, begin to be the antidote for each and every one. The process was, was quick. Within a few minutes, maybe hours, but it, it finished when he died. And he bruised his heel and he died. When I say quick, it was over hours of beating, days of beating. But when he said it is finished, here's how I want you to look at this from now on. It is finished meant in the big picture. The anti-venom is ready. Now, now listen, y'all going to stay with me for a few more minutes? I'm about to get, I'm, I'm going to close this thing with a bang. Genesis chapter 3, going back there, I just got to read it to you one more time to set up where I'm going. So I just told you about it, now let me read it. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, this is the, because of what happened with the, with the fruit, you are cursed more than all the cattle, everybody say cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and here's the key that you need to underline, highlight in your Bible, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, harassment, enemy between you and the woman. Now listen to this, between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed. Notice your seed is little s, her seed is big s. Do y'all catch those kind of things? Do y'all see that? Because the capital seed is the Virgin Mary giving birth to the Son of God. That's why it's capital. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now the word cattle, don't get messed up on that thinking cows. It just means beast. So the snake was originally a part of a group known as the beasts of the field. Now, I don't know what that meant he looked like. I don't know if he looked like a snake from today. Some have said he had feet. I don't know if he did or not. Some say that because they said he's cursed to crawl upon his belly. I don't know if he did or not. In fact, I want to just be real with y'all and be transparent with you. I don't even know if the serpent that was in the tree looked anything like a serpent that we have today because it was the devil that was in that tree and whatever was in that tree was talking. Now, I know God can use animals to talk because he used a donkey. Touch your neighbor and tell him if he can use a donkey, he can use you. Look, don't touch your neighbor. You'll get in trouble. The CDC come arrest you. Point your finger at somebody and say, thank God I didn't call you a King James donkey. Now, what's this? His food is what? Dust. His food is dust. Now, let's back up. Genesis 2, 7 says this, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. His food is what? Dust. God was made from what? Dust. Genesis 3, 17. Then to Adam he said, 
This is what he says, still a part of the curse. He's addressed the woman, he's addressed the serpent, now he's addressing Adam. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and because you have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. If you toil, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. But thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Some of y'all think you know where I'm going. Ecclesiastes 3.20 says this, all go to one place. All are from the dust and all return to the dust. These are just a few scriptures over and over and over again. Job, many other places, talks about we came from the dust, we'll return to the dust. Now we know that's talking about the body, not the spirit. The spirit is eternal. When I die, when you die, when anyone dies, their spirit lives on. Your spirit either goes to paradise with the Lord or your spirit goes to hell. Somebody's got to remind you that there is a place called hell. I know preachers don't like to preach on it anymore. If there is a heaven, there is a hell. If there is a God, there is a devil. So that means the ditch digger goes to the same place. Nothing against a ditch digger because I'm a ditch digger. I'm just trying to say the, the one that works as a general contractor, are the one that builds houses, are the ones that cut grass, are the ones that work uh, as a cashier. Are, uh, they, they go, their bodies go to the same place as the multi-multi-billionaire. They still go to dust. You open up the casket, they're dust. They might have left this world with hundreds of millions of dollars, but they don't, their body, they may have even stacked the coffin with it. You open up the coffin, the money's still there, but they're dust. So the only way, if the food of the snake is what? It says from the, from the dust of the earth, you will eat all the days of your life. If that's the case, the only way the snake, whatever that snake was, we're talking spiritually now, we're not talking necessarily about an actual snake, although they're on their belly, they're on the dirt. I'll get to that in a second. But we're talking spiritually, talking to the devil. We are talking to the devil. You understand that when he cursed the serpent, he was not cursing a snake. He was cursing the devil. Do you hear me say amen? He was not talking to a reptile. He was talking to Lucifer. The only way a snake grows, that snake, Satan, is from feeding from the dust of the earth. He doesn't eat the actual dust of the ground. Satan does not eat the actual dust of the ground. The food for Satan is the flesh of man. The food of the devil and his demons are the flesh of man. And I'm not even talking about the skin of man. 
the outward body tied to everything that is who you are in your human anatomy is known as the flesh in the Bible. That means the world in which you live in, the temporal shell that holds your soul and your spirit. Are you hearing me? The sinful flesh of man is the food of the snake. Now listen to me. You may think that it's innocent fun that you're playing with the snake. You may think it's innocent to play with that snake or that devil. You may want to dabble in sin. Some sins you've equated and put in a column that's not as big sins as other sins. So you start out playing with the little, the little sin column. But how many knows the devil starts eating off your flesh in that little column and it's no longer satisfying to stay in that column. It's no longer exhilarating. So you got to just sort of tip your toe over into the next column. That's the way it works. Can I be real with you? Some of you playing with Ouija boards. Some of you getting up in the morning looking at your horoscope. Some of you staying up late at night looking at porn. Can I just preach a little bit? It's made so light of. It's, it's made so funny in sitcoms that for this generation, for high schoolers and college-age kids, you're almost considered an idiot if you don't look at porn. It's, it's literally now something you just do. You're so desensitized to it. But you're playing with a snake. You're not just playing with a snake, y'all. You're playing with a venomous snake. You're playing with a constricting snake. You're playing with a snake that not only will bite you, but also has a spirit of python on you, on it, will wrap itself around you and squeeze the very life out of you. Now, I'm not judging you, okay, if you love snakes. Because I got friends that love snakes. Okay, listen, I'm not judging you. I know there's quote-unquote good snakes. I know that. The books tell me that. I'm thankful that they're eating the rats. I'm thankful that somehow, and ain't nobody may ever show me this, by the way, but they keep telling me the good snakes eat the poisonous snakes. Well, how are they killing them? I just want to know that. How are they killing the poisonous snakes? If I'm a poisonous snake and I got a rat snake fighting me, I think I, I, think I just bite the rat snake. Kill the rat snake. But they keep telling me that a rat snake can kill a poisonous snake. Okay, I'm no expert. But can I tell you something? I'm about to show you a video. Some of you have seen this video. And let's let, tell you what, let's, let's go to some kind of dark lights to where they can see it real good and then bring it right back. I'm going to show you a video that a pastor friend of mine, Miles Rutherford, Pastors in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Last week, watched a portion of our sermon, and he sent this video to me. And he said, if you go one more week with your series, you might want to use this. Now, I want to warn you, just like they do on the news, let me caution you. The video may upset some people because it's graphic in nature. And then I'm going to comment on it afterwards. Let's hit the lights, and then let's do the video. And turn the sound up because I want you to hear what they say. Hi, baby girl. Hi. Are you going to come out? Oh. Oh, here. Oh, she's good. Well, she's good. Need a hand? No. I'm just going to have my crisp, hopefully. <laughs> Should I continue filming? Um, yes. 
Tell you something. Did you hear what happened at the very beginning? I'm not being critical if you love snakes, okay? I'm, I'm just trying to point out something. She opens it up, making a cute video, like she's probably done many times. Feeding, talking to it. He sticks his head up one day, one random day. First words out of her mouth is, oh, hey, buddy. Go back and listen to it for yourself. It's all over. It's viral. Hey, buddy. Oh, oh, you're going to come out today and see me? That's what she says. Oh, you're going to come out today and see me? Yeah, I'm going to come out today and see you. Bam, right into her wrist, just like what happened to Saul. He embeds, that's a big snake, y'all. That's big fangs. Embeds into her, immediately wraps around her arm, begins to turn the mouth that fed her. That snake I call the snake her. The mouth that fed the snake you know, the hand that fed the snake, I should say. Don't bite the hand that, that fe feeds the dog. That's what they always say. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Let me tell you something. A snake could care less. Because here's the bottom line. You cannot expect a snake to be a dog. Now, I know some dogs will bite you, but it's usually out of protection, intimidation. I'm trying to say... You can train a dog to be your friend. In fact, when you train a dog, that's why they call him your best friend. He'll be loyal to you and fight for you. Unless something like what happened to old Yeller and then, oh my God. When Disney Plus first came out and Verizon said I had it free for a year, I turned it on and I, and I had it free, and the first thing I watched was Old Yeller, and I hadn't watched Old Yeller since I was a kid, and just like when I was a kid, I cried my eyes out. Old Yeller. But watch this. You cannot treat a snake as a pet. The condition of this world should not surprise us. We have allowed our flesh to lead us and convince, us, convince ourselves that we can be friends with the snake. 
that as that the, the snake keeps telling us he loves us. The snake keeps meeting us every day. He climbs up on us, gives us a little kiss on the cheek, and, and we just make cute little videos and post them all the time. But let me tell you something, that snake is plotting. One day that snake's going to wake up and reveal to you what he's been thinking all along. It is in the nature of a snake because of what happened in the garden if given the opportunity to strike. When you try to come against the snake in their territory, they will strike. The truth is, most snakes will not bother you as long as you stay away from them. If you see a snake and you start backing back slowly, some will chase you. My God, thank God we're not in India. Some of them will spray poison in your eyes. King cobras. But most of them are will leave you alone as long as you leave them alone. But it is in their nature, when you start trying to come against them, they will reveal to you how they really feel about you. In fact, the truth is, they're really scared of you. Are you ain't hearing me? They're really scared of you. You know why they're scared of you? The same reason every animal... Unless you are put in a situation where they realize they can see fear in you, most all animals, even the very uh, vicious animals, have within them some kind of innate fear of man. It's because it's a dominion that's in us. But as we go further and further into humanity, they are less and less intimidated by us because we are more and more giving our authority away and more and more we have forgotten who we're supposed to be. So the animals, whether they can think, I know they can think, but whether they have that kind of intellect or not, somehow in their DNA, somehow in their, what's that word I'm trying to, their instinct, their instinct is showing them, I don't feel as intimidated around that species called man like I used to. Am I preaching right? 1 John 2.15 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, mm, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, listen, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Let me tell you what feeds the snake, the lust of the flesh. Sexual perversion. How many knows if there's ever been a, a generation that is sexually perverted, it's this generation. Oh, can I be real with you? My wife's sitting on the front row, and I'm not ashamed to say it. She's smoking hot. Nobody else gets to tell that but me, even if you agree with me. Uh, but she's mine. But here's the reality. There's something about something called sex. Can I just tell you something? Sex was not created by the devil. Sex was created by God. But it was created by God to be within the confines of marriage in the order in which he instituted it, one man and one woman, husband and wife. Go back and look at it at the garden. Okay? All I'm going to say is it's a good thing. 
within marriage. But what, what has happened? It's been perverted now. Now, now people, people don't even think about marriage anymore. They just, they just live together. They just, you know, one state the other day. You may not know this. I forgot what state it was. It was uh, legalized, um, what do they call it? Trupples. Instead of, instead of couples, trupples. So it's, this, is a, this is a true thing. And it's going to come. It's going to go to the Supreme Court. You, you listen to me. It's happening. That means this state will recognize legal marriages of one man, three women, you know, four women, five guys, not the hamburgers, but, but, <laughs> moving on. Lust of the flesh. <laughs> Am I still on Facebook? Did they kick me off? Okay. Lust of the eyes. Self-centered, entitled mentality. We're the most entitled and self-centered and selfish generation that's ever existed. The pride of life, wanting glory for ourselves that belongs to God. Now listen, I'm not trying to get political here, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to make it plain because at some point, these kind of things, i got to address them. A certain newscaster, and it would be very easy for you to find it out who I'm talking about, on one of the most prominent worldwide news organizations ever, just this past week, was having a conversation with another anchor on that same network talking about the state of the world that we're in right now in this nation and says, well, you know, Jesus Christ. This is what he says on the air. If Jesus Christ, you know, if you believe in him, if you, he's the one you choose to believe in, come on, let's, let's, let's be honest this is what he said. Admittedly, Jesus himself admittedly admitted that he was not perfect. So if Jesus was not perfect, then why are we expecting everybody else to be perfect? I'm like, and then the other guy who is a lifelong Catholic, shaking his head. I'm like, I know you don't want to call out your anchor, but as someone that claims Jesus as the Messiah because you're Catholic, could you not say, well, whoa, time out, time out, buddy. Listen, I might agree with everything you're going to say, but I don't, there's nowhere in the Bible where Jesus admits he wasn't perfect. In fact, it is at the core of what we believe that he is and was perfect. Listen, if he wasn't perfect, man, then we believe a fallacy. What that means is trying to bring God down to man's level. That's the pride of life. I got news for you right now. God is not going to share his glory with you or anyone else. You better be careful who you're allowing to speak into your life. People will try to talk to you about God and they don't even know God. They ain't never read the Bible. Some of them ain't never been to church. They ain't never served God in their life, but they're trying to educate you on how to be a Christian. 
Is this microphone working? Because I, sometimes it cuts out. I don't know if y'all heard what I just said. The unique thing about the snake, the devil, versus a regular snake is the snake, the devil's fangs are two-way fangs. They're hollow to inject the poison, but they're also hollow to suck the life out of you. Once the fangs go into your spiritual flesh, when you've given in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, he begins to inject the poison. If you don't have the Holy Ghost fire on you, if you don't have the Holy Ghost anointing on you to shake it off like Saul did, and you let that snake sit there long enough and you, and you just begin to accept it, that John 10.10, 10, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and destroy, will go into effect and something in the nervous system of that Satan snake will begin to kick in. He's put enough poison into you and now he's beginning to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. The snake, Satan, has been eating good. Woo, y'all, it's 11.43, I gotta get this out. Satan has become a powerful force in the world in which we live. He has the supermajority of the world in his grips, in his fame. Told you earlier, only one-third even claim to know Jesus. Now, I'm not judging people, but everybody that claims to know Jesus probably ain't living for Jesus. Huh? People are wrapped up around the world in fear for their life. They are wrapped up in politics. We're losing friends because, and even family members, because of masks, politics, how you feel about protests slash riots. It's getting quiet in here. But I'm telling you, people are unfriending people. I tell you, I had a pastor friend of mine said, a friend of mine that I have known for 30 years that we've been on vacations with. We have been out to eat, fishing, shopping, friends for 30 years without even telling me. I was going to send him something on Facebook and I realized had unfriended me. 30 years because they don't agree politically. You better be careful, church. The bridges that you're burning, you may need that bridge to get back. Huh? You may need that bridge to get back one day. You better be careful what you're burning. Are you hearing me? You better be careful. Because I got news for you, there's a lot of people burn bridges on Saul of Tarsus. Wiped him out because of what he did. But he had a road to Damascus experience with Jesus. And some of them had to rebuild a bridge. 
I'm thankful for Ananias. I preached about it last week. He said he's a terrorist. God, you want me to lay hands on a terrorist? But and he'd already burned that bridge. Man, I don't want to have nothing to do with him. I, in fact, I, I wished he was dead. But, but he was enough a man of God to realize that he knew the voice of God. And God said, he's a chosen one. He's a chosen vessel. Son, I need to lay hands on him. And I'm going to tell you something. He had burned a bridge. But before he ever got back to Saul, he rebuilt the bridge. And the Bible said he put his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, hallelujah, Brother Saul, open your eyes. You better watch them bridges you're burning. I'm telling you right now, they may not agree with you. They may make your blood boil, but they may have something in them that you need one day. The enemy is eating good. The church is even feeding the snake. The Bible talks many times about our generation, the final generation feeding the snake. 1 John 2.18, John says, little children, it is the last hour. And as you heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know it is the last hour. There is one capital A Antichrist, but there is a spirit of Antichrist that is upon this world like none of us have ever seen. Do you know what Antichrist means? The word Christ is the word Christos in the Greek, which means the anointed one or his anointing. But Christ in the Hebrew was uh, Hamashiach, which means the Messiah. But it is really the word Christ itself in the Greek is what we're reading from, means the anointed one. So, so the Antichrist is not necessarily anti-Jesus. It is anti-anointing of God. There is an assault on the anointing of God. There is a, there is a constructed step-by-step attack. It's been going on for years to attack the anointing of God on God's people. To grip us in fear. John 2, 20, he goes on two verses later. He says, but you have an anointing or an unction from the Holy One, and you know all these things. That word anointing means smeared upon. Something is smeared on you. I got 12 minutes, and I want to tell you something. Those 12 minutes are going to change your life. We... You may want to write this down. We have been snake charmers for too long. Snake charmers have this crazy idea that the snake in the basket that they take into the market to make money off of, they grab their little flute, and when they start playing that music, They've convinced themselves that they have, that this snake is so soothed by their music. When the time comes, they open up the top of that basket, playing their little song, that little snake would just come out. And that snake charmer is convinced that they are in charge. As long as we can play our songs, 
Come on, are y'all hearing me? Hey! As long as we can create an environment that makes us feel like we've kept that snake at a safe distance. We're not having church. We're not being the church. We have been a group of snake charmers. We allow things to go on in the body of Christ that the Word of God absolutely calls sin. We let preachers and staff members live in lifestyles that are completely contrary to the Word of God. I told you a few weeks ago, you're going you're gonna to find out if I'm your pastor or not. And you know what? If I'm not, it'll hurt me to see you leave, but you need to go find one that is your pastor. I don't want you not to have a pastor, but if I'm going to be your pastor, you might as well let me talk to you and speak into your life. What good is it for you to stay in the spirit of offense every time you come here? You need to open up your heart and be teachable. And by the way, when, I, when, people, when preachers are preaching like I've been preaching, you need to be praying for your pastor. Because the devil don't like what I'm saying right now. But here's what I'm going to close with. Somehow, by the end of the Bible, even theologians agree that the book of Revelation was the last book written. It's chronologically the last book written, and it is the last book of your Bible. Genesis was not the first book written. Job was the first book written. Malachi was the, chronologically the last book written in the Old Testament, and it is the last. Genesis couldn't have been the first book written because some of it was before anybody even had a hand to write anything, okay? So most people believe that Moses, under the inspiration of God, wrote the book of Genesis. But Revelation was the last book written by the Apostle John. While he's on the island of Patmos, seeing visions of future events, speaking to the seven churches of Asia. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I looked up to heaven. I saw a voice coming out of the door. A door was open in heaven. A voice come up and said, come up here and let me show you the things which must be hereafter. And John was caught up to be with the Lord. And he began to see things that no one else had ever seen. He began to see beasts. He began to see locusts crazy looking creatures and mark of the beast and uh, false prophet, image of the beast, all these stories that we hear about in the book of Revelation. Which, by the way, let me ask you a question. How many would be interested in a, in a study on the book of Revelation on Wednesday night? Wave your hand at me. Wave your hand at me. I think, I'm thinking about doing it. I'm thinking about doing it. But it would probably take me half a year to do it. Um, but now watch this. Something happens from Genesis to Revelation, which I don't mean until the island of Patmos. I mean what he saw on the Isle of Patmos is the very end times. So something he sees happens from Genesis to the last generation that is mind-boggling. Listen to this. Now I'm going to read it to you. Most theologians, and I say many theologians, not most, I tend to believe this, that Revelation chapter 12 talks about events that happens what we call in the midpoint of the tribulation period. 
three and a half years that the tribulation, seven-year tribulation period has happened. The great tribulation, the final three and a half years is about to happen. I believe Revelation 12 happens right in the middle of it. Watch this. And my teaching on Revelation, I'll tell you why I believe that. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. I'm closing. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, seven diadems on his head, or crowns. His tail drew a third of the stars from heaven. Of course, we know it's the third of the angels from heaven. And threw them to earth. And that dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Let me read on. Verse 7, chapter 12. And a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the, what? Dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Meaning the second heaven, not the third heaven. That's already, the, the third heaven's already happened. So the great dragon was cast out. Now watch this. Comma. The, say it with me, serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice from heaven say, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God both day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Y'all are not ready for what I'm about to say. Something happened. The devil has no authority here on this earth. The serpent was commanded to crawl on its belly all the days of his life. But somehow, he turns from a snake into a dragon. Come on, dragon. I ain't scared of you. I ain't scared of you. Listen, you can believe whatever you want to believe. I believe that was attack of the devil. Huh? He don't want you to hear what I'm about to say. The only way a snake can go from a snake to a dragon and have wings, which is what a dragon has, and a tail. 
somebody fed him real good. And somebody gave him authority that was not his. Grab me a mic. Somebody gave him the ability to do things that he was not supposed to have. Mm -hmm. So while we blaming the devil, what we don't realize is what we have done It's Austin's mic. As we have turned, we have given the ability for the snake to become a dragon. Now, I know some of you think that this is a record of what happened when Satan fell from heaven way back. Nope, it's not. It's very obvious that it's not. Even though it says he took a third of the stars with his tail. See, wherever the devil goes, the demons are too. And we know that the devil accuses the brethren both day and night. Well, there was no brethren to accuse when he fell from heaven. Number one. Number two, it says he was cast down to earth. And then right after it says, woe, 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 woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. For the accuser of the brethren, Revelation chapter 12, has been cast down to you. With great wrath, for he knows he has but a short time. So I believe, the reason I believe that this is the midpoint of the tribulation period, it is because at that point is when the man that is known as the Antichrist is perceived by many people around the world, even though he's not, as a man of peace. But he turns everything at the midpoint of the tribulation period, goes into the rebuilt temple, declares himself to be God, and then he causes all that do not have a mark on their forehead or their hand, and not be able to buy or sell unless they're the mark of the beast and to worship the image of the beast. The devil himself, who doesn't want to spend time messing with you down here because his demons can usually wipe most people out. Well, he ain't got to come down and mess with you. He's not omnipresent. He is accusing the brethren both day and night. We saw that in the book of Job. That is what he loves to do. But he comes down with great wrath, and he himself, one, one, one demon, Lucifer himself, possesses one man and that one man is demon not demon possessed he is the, he is literally the only man in the world that will be devil possessed he will be possessed by lucifer and he will carry out the great tribulation because he knows he has exactly 1260 days left to do it before jesus comes back at the battle of armageddon so here's the point i want you to get they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives even unto death. So if in the future where there is no local church like we have now, have enough faith to overcome the dragon simply with the antivenom, Y'all ain't hearing me. He may look like a dragon. He may have multiple heads. He may come down and breathe fire in front of you. But to the child of God, we know he's still a pathetic little snake in a tree that couldn't do anything without Eve or Adam. 
He's not as big and bad as you make him out to be. All you got to do to whoop not just the snake and the devil, but even the dragon, is you need the antivenom, which is the blood of the lamb. Then you need the word of your testimony. And in this day and time, in the last day and time, you better be prepared to put your life and your testimony on the line. I'm telling you, there's a bunch of snake-bitten people out there that need the antivenom. And the way you take the antivenom that's within you and put it in them is the word of your testimony. Give Him praise in this house right now. Give Him praise. Come on. The word of your testimony. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news, the good news, the good news. Everybody on their feet. Everybody on their feet. Hallelujah. You might can kill a snake with a shovel. I just wrote this little funny note. It's not as powerful, but it was a little funny. You can't kill a dragon with a shovel. You can't kill a dragon with a broom. Whether dragons are ever real or not, every time a dragon has ever been killed, it was killed usually by a knight in armor and usually was killed with a sword or a spear. You want to slay this dragon? You better have the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6. If there's ever been a time for you to be clothed in the armor of God, it is now. You need your head with the helmet of salvation. You need the breastplate of righteousness. You need the loins girded up with truth. You need your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need the shield of faith where you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And above all, you need the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Even Jesus looked at the devil in the wilderness and fought the devil with the sword. He said, it is written. So in the words of the old Carmen song, some of y'all know who Carmen is, some of y'all have no idea. In the word, that's a good one. I wasn't even thinking about that. Satan bought the dust, yeah. He cocked that Bible, his gun. Satan bought the dust. In the words of Carmen, the next time the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Hallelujah! Come on, give him praise. Give God praise. You dragon slayers, you dragon slayers, there ain't no snake charmers in this house. There's dragon slayers in this house. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me tell you something. That's the first step of the armor of God. Before you can ever put the armor of God on, you got to be a child of God. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then I'm encouraging you right now to choose to serve Jesus and make Him Lord over your life. Right there where you're at, right there where you're standing, right there online, if you're watching live or the replay, this is the moment. 
The whole church is going to pray, and I want you to pray a prayer and mean it in your heart like you've never meant anything in your life. Let me tell you something. When that happens, watch what happens. The very first piece of armor, the moment you say amen at the end of this prayer, I want you to imagine it in your spirit. A helmet of salvation is put on your head to protect your mind. And by the time you walk out the back, even by the time you even breathe the next breath, the armor of God is upon you. You don't even have to be able to know a Bible verse to quote yet. You got the anti-venom in you. Now you go out and you make a decision to serve God and to learn the Word of God. Let's pray this prayer, everybody out loud. Jesus, I believe you took my sin on that cross so that I could be saved. So Jesus, I accept you as the only way and the Messiah for all humanity. I confess there is sin in my life. Therefore, I am a sinner. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive me of every sin coming to my heart. Save me today. I confess you and you alone as my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I will walk and I will live as a child of God. I desire to be a dragon slayer. I have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. Here I am, Lord. Use me, mold me, fashion me, chisel me, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give him a shout of praise? If you're watching online, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, whatever it is, comment. Let us know that you prayed that prayer so that we can continue to lift you up, welcome you to the family of God. Hallelujah. I love you. God bless you. Have a great day.